You are listening to The Current Podcast, the official podcast of UC San Diego's IT Services Department. I'm your host, Miguel Rodriguez. Today is Wednesday, June 29th. Things are heating up here in San Diego. And while we all agree that June gloom has its perks... And boy, this week has really redefined the word gloom, hasn't it? We are about to hit the dreaded July Fry. Now, I know you're thinking, that's not a thing. And I guess you're right. I guess nobody calls it that. Not yet, anyway. But it does have a certain ring to it, doesn't it? So please do give me credit when you use it at your next meeting, if we survive that long. Anyway, speaking of cool things you need, be sure to check out the remote work norms and guidelines on our department intranet under the Human Resources space. It has been recently updated and features some helpful tips to optimize your remote interactions with colleagues. I personally dig the Building Team Rapport section. It has a great list of online games to play. But what can I say, I'm a sucker for game night, or in this case, game day. And now on to our interview with Paul Jamison, Manager of Academic Technology Innovation. All right, Paul, and other Paul, Paul Kruger, that is. You know, as we say, short Paul. Short Paul, would you please? Hey, everybody, it's Paul Kruger here from the PMO, and I'm here with another Paul from our department, Mr. Paul Jamison. How are you doing today, Paul? I'm good. How about you, Paul? Pretty good, pretty good. I was actually just scrolling through my memories here. A picture came up of you and I six years ago today. We were at something called the San Diego Scrum Day. And I think it's a pretty great picture because here I am standing at six foot three and I got my little name tag on that says Short Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I always think that's pretty hilarious. How tall are I you? I do too. I am six six, although I'm usually uh, hunched over as my posture declines with age. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, whenever, you know, whenever we get around, we I always have to bring up that joke. I want to be short, Paul, but no, we've actually known each other for a while. And uh, I was actually kind of in charge of doing the paperwork when you were getting hired on. What were you hired on for? Again? I was hired to uh, move our learning management system, which all the students and faculty use for their courses to administer them from Blackboard to something called Moodle. Oh, yeah. And we had a change in direction uh, shortly after I was hired and we moved, decided to move to Canvas instead. So it was a pretty big change because Moodle was going to require a lot of custom development. I was going to work with and maybe lead a team of developers to do all that custom development. So I had to deal with some pretty big changes when I first started in IT services. In retrospect, it was a great decision to move to Canvas because it, it lightened the developer load on our team and it's really freed us up to do really impactful things like the machine learning platform and a number of other services that we support and do in a high quality way. Yeah, that was right during the transition period between like, you know, the ACT, ACMS merge, right? So yes, you, you yes, I came like, in. Hey, guys, I'm ready to work. And all of a sudden, we're like, No, you're not. We're going to do something else. <laughs> like, okay. But, but no, I think actually, it was uh, a good lesson. Yeah, it was a good lesson about being adaptable to change. Absolutely. And, and you've made a good home for yourself here, too. You know, most people see massive change at work and think, ah, oh, I got to leave. I got to find something else. But no, you actually cemented yourself. Are you leading a team now? Yes, I'm the manager of the academic technology innovation team. And I report directly to Valerie Polichar now, who is the division director for academic technology services. 
Yeah, so it's been a shift, but I credit programs like the uh, Leadership Learning Program to really embrace change, to always be looking forward, to be strategic and to have a vision. And this is kind of where things led. So I'm just very grateful that I've been given this opportunity. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, so so most of us that are, well, obviously most of us have been remote for the last two years, but, you know, back in the before times, in the long, long ago, (laughs) we used to work over at uh, APNM. So for uh, those of the people in ITS that don't really know what your team does, what services you offer, can you give us a quick little rundown and, you know, what, what do you guys do? <laughs> sure. We develop and support and maintain several instructional technology applications that are used across campus by lots of students. So probably the biggest one in the past several years uh, for our team is the machine learning platform. And we work with Adam Tillman on that. He really got that started. Oh, yeah. uh, it allows students to run something called Jupyter Notebooks and, and lots of other things, but to do data science and machine learning using GPUs to do neural network processing and all sorts of advanced stuff. So that's a really exciting project. And we received a Souter award for that. David Anderson on our team leads that and Wesley Oik. Kim Peng also contributes a lot, and he also uh, mentors several student employees on that. So it's a big project. We're always adding new features and new functionality and resiliency to that platform. So that's really the most exciting, probably, service offering that we support. One that's closely related to that is AWS Educate. So it allows students uh, and researchers to fire up EC2 instances and other cloud services in uh, Amazon Web Services. And we have a very detailed billing structure around that where we have to track and make sure people aren't exhausting the credits that AWS provides to us. And so uh, Matthew Fetter, uh, Rocky Mankini really maintain that now. Uh, Adam Tillman developed a lot of that in the beginning, along with David Anderson. So that's a really exciting service too. These are both pretty cutting edge services at other universities, this often just gets all outsourced to a vendor or a provider who does this, but it's much more expensive. So yeah. we really have some great cost savings that we're doing a lot of this somewhat in-house, but you know, we're leveraging these tools, but we also have a lot of custom functionality that, that makes them less expensive. That's great. I mean, that, sound, that sounds like somebody's uh, Lean Six Sigma project, right? Yeah. Yep. And then the other tools, you know, we mostly work with other teams on these uh, canvas. Catherine Collins is the service owner for that, but we provide a lot of the middleware, getting students into courses, setting up the course shells, as we call them in the canvas learning management system, lots of stuff around canvas that we do. We have another platform called UC San Diego online. That's an Mm -hmm. open edX platform for non-matriculated students. So you can purchase courses or take them for free on there, even if you're not enrolled. At yeah. UC San Diego, we still have an instance of Moodle running that we really? use for yeah, some administrative wow. purposes. Fingers crossed, we're hoping to retire that this summer. It's being used for the academic integrity tutorial for, uh, I believe, extension students who are enrolling over the summer and, and for some new students. Mm. Um, and then beyond that, we work with Robin Martin's team with instructional video production and delivery on lecture capture. And that has really soared since the pandemic. And even, you know, still to this day, we're seeing yeah. huge increases in instructors recording their lectures and then providing that through Kaltura, mediaspace.ucsd.edu. Then it also syncs with their sites in uh, Canvas or their courses in Canvas. And we have the podcast at UCSD.edu site for a lot of the administrative stuff around that. And Matthew Fetter just does a great job of maintaining a lot of that stuff. So it's so, it's I, so good. 
that we were like right on the cutting edge of like all this, like, yeah, you could take your classes from home. You don't have to come to campus. And then sure enough, the entire world shuts down and we were prepared. <laughs> yes, we were in good shape, but it was really because people were able to change so quickly. And I give a lot of credit to a lot of folks throughout ATS who were flexible in doing that. And also the senior leadership for, for you know lobbying for the funding to get all these Zoom licenses and to get the things that we needed to work in a pandemic. And so speaking of uh, student workers, I heard a rumor that one of your student workers uh, is uh, pretty important or got a, some type of a recognition that uh, probably is worth talking about. Is that true? Yes. Uh, Jacob Kindley is one of our student employees, and uh, he received the Triton Student Employee of the Year Award wow. for our part of UC San Diego, right? The CFO division, which IT services is part of. So that was huge. Yeah, we're yeah. really excited about that. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yes, Jake has been terrific. He, unfortunately, we've lost him for the summer. He's up in uh, Seattle, I uh, believe he's with Amazon doing an internship up there, but he'll be back in the fall. And he's just added a lot of functionality to that machine learning platform service. Some very technical stuff, which I won't bore people with, but one of the really cool things he's done is created a way for instructors to get grades out of Data Hub directly into Canvas. Right now they have to download a CSV file, move the columns around, and then re-upload it to Canvas. So it was a great learning experience for us because it taught us ways to plug these systems together. How do we get Jupyter Hub or Data Hub to talk to Canvas? And we're using technologies like LTI, Learning Tools Interoperability. We're using uh, tools like Flask. So there's a whole, uh, Python Flask, there's a whole lot of technologies that we learned as part of that process. And now we can use those for future integrations, which is really where we're heading as a team, right? It's really about plugging existing systems together, not so much writing custom applications from the ground up. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that's, that's, I, that's our, something I remember when ESR was getting kicked off. It's like, we're trying to get away from the, you know, building stuff on our own. We're just trying to figure out how to modernize rather than building stuff. Uh, so like, for example, uh, Wade Blomgren had his whole thing mapped out. I, I can't remember what it was called, but you said uh, you basically have to modernize it. What's that all about? That's a great segue. Thanks, Paul. Yeah. So one of the I, main- I could have worded it better. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great. Um, I think I ran through most of the services that we provide. There's several others. And so I'm sorry if I've left anyone out or forgotten any of them, but really this big project now that we're working on is called Course and Student Provisioning Modernization. Uh, what does provisioning mean? It's really how do we get 40,000 students into the proper courses, give them the proper resources, uh, even things like door codes. Uh, there's all sorts of functionality across campus that relies on this system to get students the things that they need as part of their academic career. And that was all run by uh, Wade Blomgren, who retired last year here in ATS. And while he did have some people who helped with some of the operations, he was really the mastermind of all of that code, much of which is, say, 20 or 30 years old. It's a, an older database that's really not migratable. So we've got a lot of processes need to be updated because the servers that they run on are end of life. And we've got some temporary security exemptions, but those aren't going to last forever. So really, this has been a great opportunity to start moving these processes and tools into the iPaaS platform, which is yeah. integration platform as a service, right? I was 
make sure I get the I part right. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, because we're really not in the position to maintain these, we can't lift and shift. We yeah. don't have the system administration support in ATS to do that. And that's not really where ITS is heading, where you have different people all maintaining their own servers. We're heading towards this common platform, but it does require uh, rewriting a lot of this code because it's just not, it's pre-NCC, so it's not going to run on newer systems. We want it to be able to deploy it using the BARS build tools. Um, we want to be able to use newer technologies like Airflow, NiFi, Kafka to stream data in and out of things like the Student Activity Hub. We want things to be event-based where a new piece of data triggers a process, not these large batch processes that run maybe a few times a day and we have yeah. these data latency issues. So there's a lot of improvements on the way. I won't bore folks by going into more detail. Uh, I do have an upcoming talk at uh, Geek Masters where I'm gonna bore everyone there about this project. So feel free to join that one. I think it's the next Thursday, the 23rd. Oh man, see, you're, you're, you're plugging our Toastmasters group too. That's yeah, awesome. got to do it. Yeah, I also wanted to mention Ryan Rose on the modernization project. He's been doing an amazing job of working with other teams in ITS to get these processes into the iPaaS system, to rewrite the applications themselves, to prioritize which ones to do first. We wouldn't be as far down the path on this project if it weren't for Ryan's expertise in many of these systems already. So we're really grateful to have him on the team and he's been doing a fantastic job on modernizing these processes. He is, uh, he calls himself the new Wade. Uh, so <laughs> new Wade. yeah, so he's, uh, he's, he's used to hearing that. Cool. Yeah, everybody on your team is really, really like useful. Like we can't do anything without them, like any one of them, right? No, they're, I'm so grateful to have such a great team. Everyone on the team is a really solid performer and just really goes above and beyond to provide high quality services. So super happy with our team and, and all the things that we've accomplished and continue to do. Awesome. Do you ever feel like you're kind of like, a, uh, like an IT archeologist when you're trying to read Wade's stuff? <laughs> I think it's just very common. You know, I mean, the system worked great for decades, yeah. um, but um, I think part of the goal of iPass is that we're going to be in this situation now where multiple teams potentially have eyes on code and processes and doing things in a standardized way. For a long time, you sort of had experts in a particular area, and maybe they were the only person who knew how it ran, and that worked pretty well. But I think longer term, given a lot of, say, the staffing challenges that we have, it's, it's very hard to attract and retain staff here, given the salary challenges that we're up against and the mm -hmm. housing costs in San Diego. We need to have processes that more than just maybe one person know about um, and more than one team knows about. And we can share knowledge and collaborate. Maybe one team has some great ideas about permissions and how they should be handled in your application. And that those exchanges are happening now as part of this iPass platform, which is a great benefit from heading in this direction. So speaking of uh, housing costs here in San Diego, I hear that uh, that's kind of a passion of yours, something that you would like to advocate for better housing costs for people in San Diego? Yeah, I'm a geek on uh, housing <laughs> stuff. I've always been interested in housing and you know, like new things and new projects that were happening in San Diego. But I've realized that I'm, I really kind of have a passion for equity 
issues. And I think housing is a great example of really soaring inequity in San Diego and in, in many parts of the country. So pretty much any major metro, if you want to be living near where the job centers are, it's really challenging to find affordable housing. Unless maybe you're in a city where they just have unlimited land and they just keep sprawling out forever. And that's not necessarily a great strategy either. So yeah, so I've been trying to increase my advocacy for more housing in San Diego, more affordable housing. And so I, I spend some of my free time joining community planning group meetings. Those are like local community planning groups that have a voice in where planning is headed and, and new housing projects. Um, city council committees or council meetings where you have to speak. And so Geek Masters, Toastmasters, has been a really useful skill for that because hopefully my public speaking has gotten better uh, even in those contexts, not just around IT. So I'm, I'm excited. I think things are heading in the right direction. San Diego is building more housing. Uh, there's just um, a lot of folks who understandably want to maybe keep things the same way but at the expense of housing opportunities for others. And so hopefully we can find a way forward where we get most people on board. Well, Geek Masters definitely has helped your speaking, but there was two ums, one uh, and two shows <laughs> in that little, yeah, I'm just kidding with you. <laughs> no, very true. But uh, what are there any other uh, volunteer uh, things that you're, you're into? Yeah, I'm also a bike geek, so I try to... Not like a chopper, right? Like you're not a biker guy? Bicycle, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Bicycles, yeah. And again, I think it's an inequity issue. I know there's this uh, stereotype of bicyclists being like the white dude in spandex, but <laughs> if you look at the actual data, it's everybody would like to at least potentially ride, but a lot of people don't because it's just not safe. Yeah. And I think people should have a right to be able to walk or bike uh, or use public transit and have a safe way to get to, you know, school, parks, their jobs, to businesses, get there safely and relatively quickly. The problem often is that we've kind of prioritized making things really convenient for motorists. And I drive too. I don't like sitting in traffic or not being able to find parking. But when you consider that versus maybe bicyclists getting killed, which there's been a lot of, or pedestrians being killed. I think we can find more of a balance where we're accommodating every mode, especially given our climate change yeah. challenges. And again, try and find a path forward where most people are on board saying, hey, these people do deserve a right to get safely to their destination, even if they're not driving a car. So that, that's kind of my passion there. Nice. Well, and I know that I'm gonna be moving someplace uh, in a little bit uh, where I'll actually be close enough to campus to where I'm like, you know what, maybe I'll go out and get a bike. I haven't had a bike in years, you know? That would be great. If you, if you bike to campus, let me know. We'll, we'll go for a, a, a tool ride around campus. Awesome. Yeah, I was, uh, when, I lived, when I lived near campus, I would run to work, <laughs> but then it was a little bit further away. Now I'll just bike. Um, I forgot I used to jog to campus. Yeah, that's that. awesome. That's when I, I and, and I remember I was training for that marathon. I lost like 30 pounds and then the pandemic hit. I put it all right back on. <laughs> I, I can relate. I've been there too. And it's, it's very hard to, to lose the weight and to keep it off. So I can relate. 
All right, Paul. Well, it's got a couple more minutes. I'd like to pick your brain about uh, sports because obviously everybody Uh-oh. knows that I like to talk about sports. I want to talk about when you had to wear a Red Sox jersey. Can we talk oh, about that quickly? That actually, yes, did happen. But first, before I say that, I want to say that the Angels actually did win one of the games against the Red Sox recently. But uh, no, that, that that is true. <laughs> we were working together at APM. We had a shame bet. Uh, who's going to win, the Angels or the Red Sox? And whoever loses has to wear the other other team's jersey so yes i sadly had to wear a red Sox jersey to work one day <laughs> what's nice about those jerseys is that they're so big yeah and so whoever lost i think we would have fit into each other's jersey but usually um most other people's clothing on me doesn't come down past my elbow on the arms so oh, yeah. uh yeah i'm like a gigantic praying mantis so actually you know what's funny is i think we both have the same exact shirt the shirt that i'm wearing of course podcast listeners aren't oh that's right they're not going to care, but just like, hey, we've got the same shirt. I used to wait until you wore that shirt each week. And then I was like, oh, now I can wear mine because I didn't want to wear it the same day of the week as you. I always wanted to wear it on the same day because I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The Paul twins. What about uh, what about football? Please don't say Cowboys. Steelers. <laughs> Steelers. OK, that makes sense. You're from the East Coast, though, right? Well, I'm a 70s child, and they okay. were big in the 70s. And my brother is a huge Cowboys fan. And so I remember the Super Bowl where the Steelers beat the Cowboys. I think I was five years old, and I was sitting there on the couch. I still remember this to this day, uh, <laughs> laughing at my brother. Ah, the Steelers beat your Cowboys. And really, it's still the same way to this day. If they play each other, I still laugh at him. So That's awesome. <laughs> well, hey, Paul, thanks for uh, spending a little bit of time with us here today. You're welcome. And hopefully I get to see you in person once again on campus soon, right? That would be great. Yeah, I'm up there about once a week, so it'd be great to hang out. All right. Yeah, let's see if we can guilt trip other people to come on campus too, right? I agree. All right. Have a good one, Paul. You too, Paul. Thanks so much. You do a great job on hosting these interviews. Oh, thanks. I sure hope you're enjoying this podcast. Remember to let your fellow IT services staff members know that this podcast exists. Get everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you can get your podcasts. This podcast is a collaborative effort, and we want to hear from you. If you have any ideas for podcasts or topics, send them to me at its-podcast at ucsd.edu. That's it for today. Keep an ear out for the next episode of The Current Daily.